0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the ArenaCraft Podcast, a show dedicated exclusively to Magic the Gathering Arena. I'm Arjun, I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined today by CGB, recipient of the mundane intro this week. <laughs>
1: How are you doing, CGB? Mundane intro. <laughs> what do you think today is? Just another day? This is <laughs> podcast day, and we've got the creator of the Arjuna awards, Arjuna Perkins here alongside the one in best of one. And there needs to be intro. So there I, I I did it. I, I, I I went for it this week. You know, CGB, we should get you
0: on these intros sometime. Why haven't I thought of this? Like work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Sounds Like work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That takes away from the, from the jet set, show up, drop the mic lifestyle. Of the Kovac yeah. Go Blue. However, there will be none of that happening today, as we have an exhaustive list of spoilers to read through for you. So, um, for those who haven't been listening lately, we are continuing our thing that we do every set, where we go through a list of the entire spoilers of the set, and we try to pull out the gems, those very su- most succulent cards, to talk about their potential use in Constructed and uh ajuna gets to pine
1: over some limited cards as well <laughs> that's like that's a great description the um the succulent gems might be a, a lot like it's like you just said we took all the purple je- purple jelly beans out of a bag but we're gonna try all the other ones baby yes indeed <laughs> oh yeah i mean that's
0: what limited is right you just you eat every last frickin' jelly bean in the pack. So yeah, so we're basically gonna jump right into that. Kovaco go go Blue, is there anything you
1: wanna say before we begin? I think I would most like to say that new cards are the greatest thing ever. They are, basically Just a reminder. Even if I even if I hate on some of these cards and hate on the person who brings them up because they suck completely, um the new cards are the greatest freaking feeling in magic. And I just try to remember that every time I get one. it's a little gift one thing i will
0: say i feel like i keep saying this with every set review but it's so true with this set i have
1: absolutely no idea about some of these cards uh yeah well we're, we're gonna try we're gonna just bash our ideas off each other and try to come to some consensus for the listeners you know we're gonna try to point them in the right direction this set might have
0: more text like, more words per card than any other magic set I've ever looked at. <laughs> so so we're going to have fun with that. All right, well, we're jumping in where we left off, and the first card that we want to talk about today is Calamity Bearer. So that's 2 red red for a 3-4 creature giant berserker at rare. If a giant source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead. So essentially what we have... Is like an Obosh, and instead of doubling it for odd mana permanence, it doubles it for giants instead. Um, so, all right, we we've seen from Obosh that this effect can be powerful. Now, when it's not your companion, it sees a much less play. But Obosh did actually show up in that uh, spicy teamer deck for a while there in standard. So, what do you think, CGB? Is this card like just a meme, or could this make its way into a deck?
1: Meme. Yeah, okay. Meme. I'm mad that it's a four mana, three, four. If you're going to be a giant, like, make it a four, five, or make it a three, six, or just, like, the body's understated, and it needs other cards to do stuff to be good. I mean, it's, like, effectively a six, four, though, right? Sort of, except it dies to something that kills something of three power or less, if there's something like that in the format.
0: Yeah, definitely. This is a card that will probably see either little or no play. But if it has some kind of a combo, uh, then we might see it show up.
1: I'm still a card away from Giant Tribal being something worth trying. I think it will be good if Giant Tribal is, but I still need that Giant.
0: Yep, yep, totally. Uh, Maybe we'll discover it as we go on, but (laughs) I agree with you. There are some very powerful Giants, but no clinching Giants yet. All right, Forging the Tyrite Sword. Read this for us, CGB.
1: One red and a white for a saga. So Boros Saga. I'm sure this will be great. Boros is known for their game-breaking cards. Uh, (laughs) Chapter 1, create a treasure token. Chapter 2, create a treasure token. Chapter 3, search your library for a card named Halvar, God of Battle, or an equipment card, reveal it. Put it into your hand and shuffle your library. Halvar, the god of battle, was revealed much earlier. Uh, it feels like forever ago now. But it's a white, white two for the guy who gives equipped creatures double strike, is a 4-4, has a backside that is an equipment that returns something to your hand, etc., etc. Um, so, what do we think of this card?
0: I- I'm having a hard time imagining this scene play. Um, it's very slow you've got to be really, really, really in for Halvar or whatever equipment card you're searching up. So, I don't know, like, someone's gonna have to show me, like, a nice little sequence this fits into. Like, if if the sequence is, I figure out a pretty compelling way to win the game on the third saga, then like, consistently win the game when the third chapter goes off, then maybe. But Otherwise, this just seems like a limited card to me.
1: If somebody told you that you could have a three mana, ramp two, and draw a card, would you be interested? In Boros, though, like... Yeah. I mean, look... What's I I've said it on my stream a bunch of times. The color pie is a lie now, okay? <laughs> now we're we're the trying color to bring <laughs> we're trying to the color pie became the color lie. Key lie <laughs> pie, okay? And and the forging the Tyrate sword is an introduction of card draw and ramp in one card, mind you, to Boros. The problem is you always draw Halvar God of Battle, which is that better than the average card? Probably. But, I mean, you do need a deck that at least is going to use it in some way. I mean, I like the idea of, like, always getting
0: Embercleave. Yes, that's true. And one thing to note about this card is that running this card lessens the number of Halvars and or Embercleaves and or whatever else kind of nonsense you want to put in your deck. So. That's that's something, right? That's something. This is what I need to see for this card to be successful. I need a good curve, right? I need for someone to be able to lay out the cards and say my deck's consistently going to try to be, like, casting a five drop on turn four. or You know what I mean? Like, I just, I need, I really okay. need for the pieces to fit
1: into place. How about this? You play Forging the Tyrate Sword on turn three, and you make a treasure token on turn four. You will make another treasure token. And you will have four mana. We can do whatever we want. Let's play Showdown of the Skalds. Why not? Let's exile four cards. <laughs> on turn five, let's play Goldspan Dragon and have our treasures produce double mana and have every spell we cast from the four that we exiled put plus one, plus one counters on our dragon or whatever we played on turns one and two. I mean... That's am kind I, of. Am I getting into the. Am I getting into. You getting into this a little? I mean, that's <laughs> a lot of stuff going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, a it's big also. Gold span dragon. It's also very little board impact turns one through, through four, basically, you know?
1: I mean, okay, that's true. Yeah. But how about that impact on turn five? I'm, I'm just throwing out there <laughs> like, maybe we can do more with the treasures and maybe yeah. we can also make them make more mana. Maybe we can do more with the spells we play. I
0: don't know. There's a lot going on. I like your adventurous spirit with this card. I still think it's probably not going to show up, but you've at least got the wheels turning on it. We should move on because there's so much adventurous spirit to go around. Indeed. All right. So the next is a first card revealed in a cycle, which may not be good enough for Standard. Some of them might be, though, and so I think that they're worth reading. And so the first one is called Bretagard's Stronghold. This is a land it etbs taps taps for a green you can pay green white white tap and sacrifice Bratagod stronghold put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures you control they gain vigilance and lifelink until end of turn activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery so this card wouldn't be bad if it were not a tap land
1: oh my god yes
0: because here's the problem. This wants to go into some kind of like either aggro deck or some kind of uh, maybe a tribal deck. And those decks typically want to like get creatures down turns one through three. So that's the that's the holdback. I see with this card. I think some of these other ones in the cycle, which are tap lands might fit better into their respective colors. But I just feel like this wants like small creatures and you want to be able to cast those on curve.
1: Just a bit of an aside that I think covers this and a lot of other cards. I think that the play design team at Wizards just doesn't have an aggro mage anymore. Right, dude? I think that their their vision for magic, and I think it started... It's hard to nail exactly when, but I definitely think this applies to Zendikar Rising and Core 2021, and probably Ikoria. I think their vision for magic is this never-ending mid-range like battle where every card draws more cards has more function has more chapter has more mode. Yeah. And some of the lands in this cycle, some of the strongholds might fit into that because that's what they do. But yeah. this one gives kind of a mediocre creature ability and it's amazing. If this tapped for a colorless and entered the battlefield untapped, I would be like we're going to play this in a conclave mentor deck. We're going to play this with boring Clex. Why not? But can't do it now if it tapped for green and you just had to pay some costs,
0: like some conditional costs to do it, then I th- also think it would be a, a consideration but yeah, so anyway, bit of a shame on this one we'll see if the other ones are worth playing now this next card, CGV, I'm going to have you read and I know, I just know that you've been a lightning rod for <laughs> people asking you about this question, uh, yes. asking you about this card. So yes. uh, so I'm excited to hear you read it for
1: us. Yeah. Two in a blue sorcery is called Raven Form. This is a common, and you exile target artifact or creature. Its controller creates a 1-1 one, one blue bird creature token with flying, and this card has foretell for a single blue. So, in the mind of some, this is a one blue exile target artifact or creature, and then they have a bird at sorcery speed.
0: What do you think? I think that last thing you said at sorcery speed is, like, the real killer of this card for me. Um, Okay, so it is a versatile answer in blue. Uh, Some blue decks are definitely going to want this in their seventy-five. In certain best-of-one meta games, you might even run one, maybe two copies of these in your main deck. the The kind of decks I can imagine being in for this are like, um, like a demire control deck in standard that wants to have an answer to like a great Henge or something like that. Now, maybe there are already just better ways to try to deal with that problem, like removal and counter magic. Um, But that's the kind of deck that I can see wanting for a card
1: like this. Otherwise, I just really don't imagine it's going to show up. So I agree with you completely. I think that you nailed it. There are spots where exiling an artifact is big game that some color combinations haven't had access to. And that is kind of new in the color pie is a lie theme that we're exiling artifacts with blue cards now and turning them into birds and i think this card is okay i don't think it's a four of in all your blue decks like people are giving it some hype in where i go i think that the foretell cost just having to spend your second turn exiling it is pretty bad i think that for three mana sometimes that's okay but sorcery speed so you're priced into the play and i think that if the ideal situation is that you're not under pressure under of any kind on turn two you foretell and then sometime later in the game you double spell you exile somebody's really awesome thing and you still have mad mana open to deal with something else and that's good so i think it's a role player two of or a sideboard card i think this is the kind of thing where like
0: if we start to see like a deck like um mono green food i think is a good example if a deck like that's really running rampant in the format then there might be blue decks that are really happy to have access to this card just like deal with your troll king right um deal with some other kind of heavy hitting recur recursive threats stuff like that but you know it's just like I don't know, other colors have better exile removal, so yeah. So this, is, this fills in the gaps, right? That's what it does. Yep. Next card, the Trickster God's Heist, two black blue for an enchantment saga at uncommon. Chapter one, you may exchange control of two target creatures. Chapter two, you may exchange control of two target non-basic non-creature permanents that share a card type. Chapter three, target player loses three life and you gain three life. So definitely some trickery going on here CGB. What does this card bring to mind for you?
1: It's extremely situational. You it it's it reminds me a bit of the Akroan War in that you needed a meta that was about creature sizing and then for chapter 2 to re, be relevant, you have the large creature as well as your own creatures to block their creatures and you needed a way to sacrifice. And the meta lined up just right for the Akroan War. And for me, I don't know how I'm going to get into a a place where we both have creatures. We both have. I okay. The easiest part is for me to have a non-basic non-creature permanent, which is the heist itself. That matters. You can give the opponent the heist and steal their enchantment, but I don't know what enchantment I'm stealing. <laughs> yep. And uh, especially in the case of stealing like a saga, like it, say the opponent say everybody's running sagas and you steal their saga a lot of the new sagas are front loaded right the best effect is early exactly so you don't even get all of it it's yeah the,
0: our enchantments these days are really having like etb effects and not so much just having like pervasive effects like we used to see from our enchantments and magic so i totally agree it's it's worse for that yeah yeah i
1: i see it as a meta card that i don't I can't envision the meta that's right. But maybe I'm wrong. Okay. I don't know. So here was the first thing. I I think this
0: might have some combo potential. And the first card that stood out to me as a potential combo with this would be Wishclaw Talisman. So hear me out with this. You know, chapter one is probably just a staying alive kind of a thing. Maybe you make some tokens, you try to steal one of your opponent's creatures. That's just to, to keep the game flowing chapter two with the trigger on the stack you activate your Wishclaw talisman you search up for whatever you know maybe a combo piece a finisher whatever it is your opponent gets control of the talisman it is tapped and then you trade it back to yourself for like a treasure perhaps uh, or any other random artifact you have lying around and then i don't know like maybe that's just not good enough but that was the first place that my mind went for how we could try to actually abuse a card like this
1: that's cool. I just don't know when you had time to get a creature and an artifact and the Wishclaw Talisman and the Trickster God's heist onto the battlefield. I, I mean, I'm with you, man. It's, it's definitely a long shot. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I think it's too narrow. Here's another shame about this card. I think this card would have been better in like a War of the Spark meta, for example, because that was a format in which you could conceivably do something like drop a Nausik tick narset down a couple of times and then like trade this for your opponent's nissa or like really good planeswalker later in the game yeah so that's, true. that's that's kind of one of the you know like we have a meta that just doesn't have that many non-creature permanents flying around that are actually good to to be trading for so
1: Yeah, I I do think one of the best things you said that now is in my head is I'm going to try to figure out how to trade a treasure for a Great Henge, skip the wish claw nonsense, but I I think if I can trade a treasure for a Great Henge, I'm doing it. I think treasure makes this
0: card more playable, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, and and definitely with decks like Gruul around, where you pretty consistently are going to nab an important creature plus an important artifact... Uh, I think that's pretty gas. The only problem is if this card becomes a regular sideboard juke, then people will start to play around it. And then anyway, but yeah, cool card, cool design. I'll toss this one to you. Our next planeswalker on the list,
1: CGB. Tyvar Kel, two green, green, legendary planeswalker Tyvar. Elves you control have tap for a black three loyalty on the planeswalker plus one. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target elf. Untap it. It gains death touch until end of turn. Zero. Create a one, one green elf warrior creature token. Minus six. You get an emblem. With whenever you cast an elf spell, it gains haste until end of turn, and you draw two cards.
0: What do you think? I'm like medium on this card. Me-
1: medium cr- medium to low okay yeah so i am very low on this and elves in general but i think there's still a deck and i'm gonna throw it at you a piece at a time because what's the best okay what's there are four lines of abilities on this card i'm of the opinion that the minus six assuming there were no cost assuming you just had one of these i'm assuming the minus six is the best do you agree yeah in a vacuum yep elves uh, elves gain haste and you draw two cards per elf okay yeah that so sounds my fairly game winning the deck i have in mind revolves around a certain card we talked about before vorinclex so that you get the minus six right away yeah or this ramps you into vorinclex yeah that's a good point i mean vorinclex is a hell of a drug man The plus one is also, like, it's good with Vorinclex, but obviously I I don't want the plus one if I have this card. I want the minus six. So um, that's the best I can do. I think that the elves in general aren't ready for standard or close from what I've seen. Mm. But I think Vorinclex, I I think it's an elf deck that's not an elf deck. It's a Vorinclex deck. Mm. That's what
0: I have in my head. Interesting. Yeah, this, I agree. It's a decent idea, especially if we have elves that are kind of powerful and interesting on their own and not relying on you just having like a million random elves. Um, like I just like more of a combo thing. I, I see this card, like you said, it has like some kind of combo potential. Um, I do think, all right, so this card would be a lot better if we had a lanowar elves in the format um because like being able to have random mana dorks that helps you power this out that you can untap and either you know i mean of course all your elves now tap for black mana but you could untap it and tap it for green as well or you could just have it as a blocker like a death touch blocker that would be really gas to me yes it turns your kind of dorky utility elves who who already gave you some value into like important players while you continue to tick this thing up and hopefully get to the ultimate? So that's that's pretty awesome. The problem is, I haven't seen any one mana elves that are going to be playable, and in like lacking those, I just don't know that this card can necessarily get there.
1: Yeah, the closest, like I was going to say, we didn't even have many two mana elves left, and now there's a two mana, uh. 2-2 that untaps target snow land mm. and it's an elf so that's as close as we have to just getting to play this on turn three mm-hmm. and ramp from there but I, I do agree i want better elves which is why i don't think i can just build around this as an elf card Reprint Llanowar Elves, you cowards! <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah. Okay, this is another <laughs> tangent I have all the time now in standard. The, the, uh, green has the best three one drops. Yeah. It has Gilded Goose, Lovestruck Beast, and Edgewall Innkeeper. Those, yeah. Like, name a better one drop in standard. Yeah. These Guild Enforcer, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but no, you're right.
0: It's just. I don't know. Green just continuing to be some of the best thing you can do at every point on the curve. Uh, I guess it's my turn. Calvary, god of kinship to green green. It's your turn. It's like you lost a bet with the amount of text you have to read on the sucker. Have fun. Uh, having fun, I will not with this card, but <laughs> but anyway. Alright, so 2 green green for a 2-4 Legendary Creature God at rare. It is a flip card. We'll read the front side. It's a Legendary Creature God, did I say that? As long as you control 3 or more Legendary Creatures, Calvary gets plus 4, plus 2, and has Vigilance. And... You can pay 1 on a green and tap it, look at the top 6 cards of your library, you may reveal a legendary creature card from among them, put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. The backside of this card is the Heart Crest, 1 on a green for a legendary artifact. As the Ringheart Crest enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, tap to add green, spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type or a legendary creature spell. So basically I feel like this card just wasted a bunch of my time. Really? No <laughs> I, no
1: enthusiasm? I'm not a buyer on this card, no? dude. I'm
0: really not. Really? Yeah. Like wh- which which part of this feels worth the mana at any point?
1: Honestly, uh worth the mana is such a loaded term. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right. If Culvery was like
0: a 2-drop 1-3 on the front side and maybe didn't get buffed quite as much, we'd maybe be talking. But I like sp- spending
1: 4 mana on the front side of this thing, I hate it. I mean, here's the thing. The the front side isn't going to be good unless it's a 6-6. Six six,
0: right? I mean, you're right. Like we're, we're starting to have the conversation as a 6-6. Six six.
1: So in order to play that, you need to play two more legendary cards... Legendary creatures on turns one, two, and three. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's like where you're warming up. And then assuming the opponent kills one or something like that to turn it off, you have the one in a green to look at your top six and try to find another. It's also pretty cool that if this does have vigilance, you get to keep looking for more because you can attack and then use the ability. So you get to do both. Um, the artifact is actually a part that I like. Because I I don't know. I'm guessing if you're playing a bunch of legendary cards, you're really going to want to have a lot of mana because they're not known for their cheapness. So I'm, I'm feeling the legend... I, I think casting this as the mana rock on turn two is going to happen more than casting the front side. This card came so close to being Dece. If the Ringheart
0: Crest didn't have the limitation that it has... I think this card would definitely be fine. The problem is you like you can't use this to activate any ability. You can't use this mana for anything except catching casting
1: specifically a yeah. creature spell of the chosen type. And that just, I mean, we're talking we're talking a 30 plus creature deck then yeah. to get even in the ballpark. That's true, but you want that anyway, right? Because that's what the front side is too. So, yeah. I think our real issue shouldn't be with this card. It should be with does that deck even exist? This isn't a card that needs a little help. This is a card that
0: needs like the entire rest of the deck built for it already. And even then, it's
1: not like a total guarantee. So yeah, five five colored gods. Is it a deck? No, I I, I do feel like a lot of the reveals, I I feel like this is a commander set disguised as a standard set. I think (laughs) this, so you're going to get a lot of these kind of payoffs that would work in commander and won't work in standard. And I think this is one of them. I totally agree with that. Yeah, this is a very interesting card
0: for Commander for sure. Next up, Sculptor of Winter. Read it for us, CDB.
1: We kind of mentioned this card when I talked about Tyvar. It's a Sculptor of Winter, one in a green, 2-2, two two, snow creature, elf, rogue, tap, untap target, snow, land. This card was like close to being
0: good, interesting, playable until we reached the snow part of it like couldn't hmm. couldn't we just have like this card say like untap target land you still mad at snow i mean I've, I'm, <laughs> I'm mad at it because it's ruining
1: my good cards man i think the elf deck is a snow deck you think so okay i think there's a couple pieces of payoff that make it th- that make it that way So, I'm okay with the snowness, as we established in a previous show. You are old boomer who yells and is mad about snow. I am new wave enlightened thinker who is fine with snow, and that's okay. (laughs) Couldn't it have just untapped any land, though? Yeah, it could. But it didn't. Couldn't base camp enter the battlefield untapped? (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. All right,
0: so it, so assuming your deck is a snow deck that plays like basically
1: all snowlands, is this card playable? Are you running Tyvarkel? I mean, do you need an elf? Because I think that if you don't need elves, this card is not playable. I think the body isn't good enough. I think it's a bone crusher target. I think you need to get paid for elves. I I don't think it's enough to get paid for um, just a two two that m- makes a mana um yeah
0: yeah that's fair the only interesting thing to note is that you know this does tap for whatever color of mana you currently have on the battlefield so that's a thing and and if we have a snow land that has like some other interesting ability that you might want to use twice then we could maybe be talking but i'm not sure i've seen any of that so far
1: me either
0: yeah but Keep in mind, any Snowland ever in Magic can get untapped with this, so if there is one with some kind of cool tap ability, then maybe this goes up in value. The boomers are yelling about scrying sheets. <laughs> Which, I've heard of that card, but I just assume it's busted, whatever. Um, all right, next up we have Cosmos Charger. Probably another card CGB's chat's been trying to get him on board with. Uh, three and a blue for a rare creature horse spirit. Flash Flying. Foretelling cards from your hand costs one less uh, colorless mana and can be done on any player's turn. This costs Foretell 2 and a blue, and of course you Foretell it for the cost of 2 generic mana. So, um, 3-3 Flash Flyer for 3 and or 4 mana, the turn you cast it, which makes the rest of your Foretell cards cheaper I'm imagining you're not that stoked about this card, CGB, but tell me what you're thinking.
1: I'm trying to come around to it. I've slowly come around to some of the foretell cards like Behold the Multiverse and uh, Saw It Coming, the Counterspell and the Glimmer of Genius. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm trying to consider places where they would be good instead of being appalled that I have to take turn two off to set them up. Um, And I'm getting there, and Cosmos Charger like if those cards are that good and if the other foretell card that we just talked about that turns things into birds if that's actually good cosmos charger isn't a joke assuming that you're just able to flash it in and the opponent doesn't see it coming and and it doesn't remove it and you untap with it you could have like very very cheap uh very very cheap stuff going on and at flash speed i it's not terrible, but I still think it's too much setup and not enough payoff. It's not; it cost reduction is good, but I I wanted an edge wall innkeeper or a lucky clover for foretell, and this isn't quite it.
0: Yeah, and I, it's just like a three-three body; is just not that resilient or impressive. So exactly, fairly easy to kill. I, for me, the most interesting parts of this is foretelling on the opponent's turn. Yes, if we can lock that in. Like, it's approaching busted in a deck that has good foretell cards.
1: I did figure this out, though. When you foretell a card, you have to cast it on a different turn. So you can't foretell something and then cast it on the same turn. So if, like, it's your opponent's turn, and it's their end step, and you decide, well, they didn't do anything, I'm going to foretell. I'm going to pay to foretell my Saw It Coming for a future turn, and then they cast something in response, you can't play the Saw It Coming. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep, that's a good point. So it's
0: really good for those sorcery speed spells that you want to lay away for future
1: turns. I think people are also going to say, then just do that on your turn instead. Uh, Yeah, if you do it on your turn and the opponent responds again to you doing that, you can't play it. Like, you're locked out either way. Yeah, so... I don't know if
0: the ability here is as good as it looks. You're spending mana on your turn, which if you're playing like a Flash Fartel deck, you don't want to do, so... Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, this is the kind of card where I don't see you, like, curving out into this card. I see you, like, resolving this card on turn six and then starting to do some other stuff kind of a thing. Mm. The sum of its parts is still not looking that great to me, so I'm going to take some convincing. I, I do think that there are several approaching busted play patterns you could get into with a card like this but call me a skeptic for now agree aha okay read this next card for us CGV. i'm
1: excited about this card really that's the one you want me to read with okay seize the spoils is two and a red sorcery as an additional cost to cast this spell discard a card draw two cards and create a treasure it's back, baby. Uh, what was this card called in Ixalan? Pirate's Pillage? Yeah, something like that. But it was four mana and you got two treasures? Yeah. So what what do you think about the tweaking of the numbers on this card? What what are you excited about? This is Tormenting Voice and you get but it's three mana and you get one of the mana back. Yeah. So it's tormenting voice that's slower. Yeah. It's, it's tormenting voice on a worse turn. Like what do you want from me here? <laughs> I'm I, I am confused.
0: Okay, I'm not necessarily saying that this card's going to be like some big player. Instead, oh good,
1: I'd have to leave. But
0: <laughs> but I really liked that pirates pillage card, and there were there were cool things that you could do. Like um, these spells start to get busted if you have any way to double them. Like another combo I really liked was the thousand year storm with. With the Pirate's Pillage kind of card, um, you start just going off with stuff like that. So if you can figure out any way to abuse this, then it's pretty gas. I also think that if you're playing a deck which A, really wants to generate treasure and or go big, and B, has like specific combo cards that you're digging for, then this can definitely be a consideration. So again... I'm not like I'm not saying this is just going to slot right into a bunch of red decks but I don't know this this is like a the kind of like jank enabler card that I
1: love. This card will never be played in its competitive tournament. Uh Okay, I'll take you on that. Not, one. Uh, okay, to be clear, like a champ like a one one that is like you have to win a thing to get into. However, I wager that this card will Show up and be a staple in at least one really fun ladder deck. You you got a hundred percent played on this particular exchange, because not only did you have me read this absolutely pointless card, seize the spoils, but now you have to read the next card. <laughs> okay. I accept my penance. <laughs> uh alright.
0: Another just random green god. Here we go. Uh Esica God of the Tree, one green green. Legendary Creature God at Mythic. It is a 1-4 with Vigilance. Tap to add one mana of any color. Other Legendary Creatures you control have Vigilance and tap, add one mana of any color. But wait, there's more. On the back side, this is an enchantment, a Legendary enchantment. It's called the Prismatic Bridge. It costs a niv Reborn. So <laughs> one of each color of mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature or planeswalker card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, this is just slotting again into that like god tribal rando deck. I'm just having trouble with this card, man, like Really? I I I have a hard time seeing this showing up in standard. Yeah. Which part I mean either side, to be honest. All right, so here's the thing. The backside's good. Good card. I'd love to have that on the battlefield in front of me. Why not? It's kind of slow, dies to ECD, dies to enchantment hate. Um, It's just not necessarily, like you don't get paid on it until the next upkeep. So just, you know, kind of a number of do-nothing weaknesses around the Prismatic Bridge and you have to be able to afford it. Now, of course, this deck is really set up to be able to let you afford this card consistently. But it's still a thing, uh, you know, getting all five colors of mana is a challenge no matter how hard you're trying. Uh, and then the front side is just like a like a 1-4 for three that taps for mana, is not super impressive. So like, in order for this card to even be good, you had to have already maybe like a Fibble fip and play, right, or some like cheap legendary to kind of help you get paid on it immediately i i just again this just seems like the last one we read it seems super conditional and not particularly powerful on its own
1: okay i will let the shields down i agree that this is probably a commander card and another trap hidden in our standard set and I think that it would have a lot more potential if it actually weren't a creature on the front face because the pr- Here's the thing, you can try to set up a deck to abuse this, like say your only creature is Vorinclex and you run a ton of planes a ton of sagas or something like that where getting free Vorinclex just is the end of the game, right? You you do such powerful things that they can't beat you. But this card is a creature a legendary creature itself so if you put four of this in your deck there's a good chance that your prismatic bridge is going to hit another one of these wow, wow. so instead what it pays you is you have to assume that you need to make the front side good because you can't outright abuse the back side. so if you have to make the front side good you have to run a lot of legendary creatures which means they fit a lot of different casting costs To use the mana which makes the backside worse because you're less likely to hit something as huge and impactful as you want to so it's hard to build a deck that consistently pays you in a big way for the card and i think that's what's going to hold it back in standard i
0: mean i I totally agree with everything you said here's another problem with this particular ability on this card it's kind of like imagine if this said uh other if this was a giant and it said other giants in your deck have tap add one mana of any color right but the thing is you're running a deck full of giants the reason you run a deck full of giants is because they're freaking giants the whole point of it is that those giants are supposed to be like having a massive impact on the board and like killing your opponent and okay legendary creatures don't always do that but like I have to assume that the whole reason that we're running god tribal is that gods are powerful and gods are like have plenty of important things to do on their own, not just be like some four mana god that tap to add another mana for you, right? So I'm just not quite sure what we're doing about this. Like we really do. It's like if your deck's not just be running a bunch of Fibble thips, I don't really know why you're in
1: for this card. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that this is going to be a sweet commander card and not much of a standard card unless, and remember, we're still not seeing the whole set, unless the five-color god deck is actually busted. Yeah. Just, you know, they give us like some fibble fib types or just awesome bodies at one and two mana that are legendary, and we are just, all right, five-color legends, let's go.
0: yeah other things to note are like let's say we have a creature that untaps like an effect that untaps all of our creatures right or like some other way that we can start comboing off or abusing this like now we're talking but on just on its face it's really unimpressive i think all right um speaking of unimpressive let's move on to this next legendary which you get
1: to read cgb you don't want me to read Snow-Covered Planes? I was getting used to a life where I didn't have to read very much. <laughs> it was going well for me. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the card that I have to read now is Coma Cosmos Serpent, 3, Green, Green, Blue, Blue, Legendary Creature Serpent. This spell can't be countered. It is a 6-6. Six, six. At the beginning of each upkeep... There's more commander stuff in our standard set. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a 3-3 blue serpent creature token named Koma's Coil. Sacrifice another serpent. Choose one. Tap target permanent. Its activated abilities can't be activated this turn. Or Koma Cosmo Serpent gains indestructible until end of turn. This is a, so the fact that it triggers each upkeep means that on the face you are spending seven mana, and if it survives until the next turn, which let's assume that you didn't just play this into a heartless act, if it survives till the next turn, you get a 3-3 blue serpent, so it's like 9-9 worth of stats, can't be countered, and you've got all these little abilities such as potential indestructibility and tapping things down. What do you think? i mean is this what seven mana buys us at mythic these days <laughs> are you not impressed are you not entertained if it survives another turn you have 12 stats for uh, that
0: seven mana. yeah i mean remember You're when not we, into it remember when we could just cast
1: nissa um i i guess but nissa had a jellyfish with it is, is this for seven mana would you rather have the five five flying hydroid Crasis and two cards and two life or would you rather have this you're you're just baiting me bro okay okay but what do you what do you have of this card do you think it's just an overpriced not gonna happen i think this card is terrible terrible i think this card is
0: terrible
1: Okay. I would rather play. I would call it terrible. I
0: would rather play almost any other card in my Simic deck.
1: So you are seize the spoils, yes. Coma,
0: Cosmo Serpent oh, hell no. Oh, dude. Yeah, if you if yeah, okay. if if you think this card is more playable than seize the spoils, we are going to have something to fight about on this podcast. I think this
1: card is much more likely to show up somewhere. Here's here's my problem with this card, right?
0: A 6 6 for 7 is like about as laughably understated as a card can get in in Magic these days, in general, right? I just told you it's a nine nine for seven. It's just not, bro. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. So the next thing is it makes three threes on the upkeep, which is fine. I mean, that's a good ability. It's a strong ability. I'd definitely be happy if any of my cards on the battlefield had that ability. But it's hardly the most impressive thing to have to wait until your next upkeep to get one of those. And then, furthermore, are you really going to want to sacrifice one of those to tap a permanent? Like, that's a pretty heavy cost. Like, make a 3 3 and then sack it just to tap something down. Um, and then, okay, the indestructible claws, like, yeah, that's somewhat interesting. If you got a serpent right away, that would be interesting, you know, because, like, okay, can't be countered makes us up and on ETB and now you can make an indestructible immediately that would be like now we're starting to maybe be talking about something but I'm just Highly unimpressed
1: with this card. I mean, it's any serpent. Just play a serpent on turn six. Oh yeah, serpent so tribal. I, I'm sure you there's some it. really good ones out. <laughs> this there. goes a right. Changeling
0: algae tribal deck, man.
1: <laughs> a, a changeling will do it. A changeling, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, that's actually something I didn't even think of with the card before. But yeah, a changeling is something that you could throw away to the coma to use the ability. I, I, I think the card might have a a mat, a deck in a match where it's good but I mean I'd rather play a Genesis ultimatum of course I would like give me any other
0: seven mana card in these colors I would rather play it in my deck any, I just—that's a bold claim. I just don't—I don't care what it is, man. I'd rather play the
1: freaking mammoth than this thing. I—I I, I can right now think of some cards in this set that will test that theory. <laughs>
0: okay, I bring them on. I look forward to
1: it. I am a—I'm like a one of coma in a sideboard somewhere guy. That—that's about the height though I, that I see for it. And a sweet commander card, of course. If your opponent's playing like mono blue counter spell, okay, you play
0: this card and you got him, right? But but then they just turn it into a bird, so whatever. Alright, uh next next card here. Ooh, ooh, okay. This one I definitely want to talk about.
1: The World Tree. Read this for us, CGB. This is a land. It is not a legendary land, to be clear. In case anybody wants to talk about how it may or may not be legendary with a name like The World Tree, let's just say it is not legendary and make that clear. This is
0: for all those mages out there who haven't yet encountered this card and had an aneurysm over it. Okay,
1: yeah, (laughs) Uh, just uh, trigger warning. Uh, The World Tree the not legendary world tree enters the battlefield tapped that's that's the new name of the card it's the not, the, the legendary, not legendary world tree, world tree. that the, the, we, we shouldn't call it that world tree that that, that, that world one tree. over there <laughs> that's perfect that world tree enters the battlefield tapped tap for a green as long as you control 6 or more lands lands you control have tap add one mana of any color wooberg twice and a tap <laughs> aka white white blue blue black black black, red red green green double niv mizzet double niv mizzet tap sacrifice that world tree (laughs) search your library for any number of god cards put them onto the battlefield then shuffle your library Woo! what a card is this card broken
0: maybe here's what i think should really be raising people's eyebrows about this card is that third line of text As long as you control six or more lands, lands you control have, tap, add one mana of any color. That's an ability to have on your land. That's basically a chromatic lantern you got for free, and the only price
1: you had to pay was that an ETB tapped. So I actually had a lot of people in my chat, so there might be people listening to this who get this wrong, that thought that this meant that you tapped your land and you got two mana, one of the regular color and one of any color. Oh, well, that would truly And that is broken. not the case. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is not the case. I just want to stress that. Yeah. You can either tap it for what it normally does, or you can tap it to make a mana of any color. I The issue I have with that is that you have to have six or more lands to access that ability. It's true. And it is pretty free, but you have to play a tap land, which we've talked about the value of a tap land. I, I don't understand why you need to keep fixing mana at six mana or more. Like, by then, you better have the colors to do what your deck does. Like, I, I just, I don't see the value. Well,
0: I, I mean, I think the theory here is that it's enabling your five-color shenanigans, right?
1: If When you have six or more lands... I, I just don't see how when you have six or more lands, you need to enable your five-color shenanigans. You need to be enabling your five-color shenanigans on turns two and three. And, you know... I mean, how, how much
0: five-color
1: have you played, CGB? I have played a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I played it in the beginning, a deck called Five Color Green that had Winter Frickin' Orb and didn't have anything that cost more than four mana, and you start your color fixing with Birds of Paradise, buddy. I was there when they were w- written, or whatever the meme is. <laughs> All I'll say is I've played a lot of Niv-Mizzet
0: Reborn, and I've run into mana issues at every, every phase of that deck, right? Because... I totally agree, like, it's not hard to generate the mana you need to, like, cast your Niv-Mizzet, right? Or to cast your whatever. But what gets tricky is you get to these points in the game where, you, like, your deck is full of color-intensive stuff, and you have these turns where you're like, okay, I really want to cast this removal spell that takes black, and I really want to cast this double black legendary badass whatever it was that I got, right? And you run into these very, very awkward turns. Or, like... You have these moments where you're like, OMG, I just, for some reason, can't seem to actually cast my ultimatum this turn, or I can't seem to cast my casualties of war this turn, just from the way that things panned out with my deck, right? So I think that, I I don't know, I feel like you're kind of underselling the challenge that some of these decks run into.
1: Yep, because I think they just got to be smarter. (laughs) <laughs> okay play better mana bases tools <laughs> cgb's like get good weaklings get good noobs <laughs> i mean they're the best people to sell a new rare card to you know what i mean <laughs> all right
0: so i guess i guess this is where i become the zoomer and cgb becomes the cranky the cranky magic boomer i guess so so, all right, so how epic do we think that this last ability has the potential to be then?
1: Oh, this is a broken absolute nonsense game winning ability in yes. commander dude yes i i mean this in any deck that you can activate this this and isn't this isn't going to happen and this isn't a feature of tournament magic, and yes, I'm aware there is a card in the set that turns everything into a god you say that cgb okay Mm -hmm. you say that however
0: can i interest you in this card and the the gold what is it called gold shimmer dragon or whatever you can try what do you need there are four treasures if you have those two cards in your deck you could like reliably
1: activate this ability on turn six on turn six yes okay absolutely assuming that your dragon lived how much did how much work
0: assuming the dragon lived but even if it didn't it made treasure right all right what gods are one you getting? to two treasure what gods are you getting any god you
1: felt like putting in your deck i mean i i right so which of these gods is just I mean, somebody's going to say, like, you get Purphoros and, like, seven other gods. It, it's like, that deck sounds horrible to me. That, uh, you don't need to, is the thing.
0: I'll grant you that you do actually have to have a deck full of gods that you might cast on curve that might make sense. Okay? So I'm totally with you there. But can I interest you in Clothis? It's a very playable god. Sideboard card.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, if you can get it for free, it's worth putting in. It's not free. There. It's... 11 mana. And you had a tap land earlier in the game. I mean, we're going to have to look at the rest of the gods. There are some good ones. There are some good ones. Hey, Valkyrie's a very playable god. Uh, I'm not going to turn my nose up at that. I'd be much more impressed if you could play the Tybalt side for 11 mana.
0: (laughs) 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 We'll, We'll get there, man. Okay. Okay.
1: That. I, I mean, put me down as an absolute no to this and constructed, and an absolute 100 percent yes to casual and commander, but not competitive play. Okay, that's my that's my take.
0: I I am open to this card being better than it looks, and I don't think that the cost for all of the potential upside. I don't think that the cost is that severe. So. I, I I mean I hear everything you're saying, man. Like this is definitely a wacky card. It's definitely possible that it might do nothing, but like, mm, damn, there are a lot of possibilities with this card, and it is simply a land. So keep an eye on it. Let's go straight to a card which I know you've been interested and expecting to
1: see coming. So <laughs> read this for us, CGB. Saw it coming is one blue blue instant counter target spell foretell one and a blue i okay a lot of people got really excited about this i was very like not excited because i saw a three mana cancel or a four mana counter target spell and i still feel that way to an extent i'm trying to like i said before i'm trying to open my mind up to the foretell the possibility that foretell might be good but I think part of it is my experience in best of one says you don't take turn two off, especially on the draw. You just can't do nothing on turn two and you'll lose all the time. Uh, That's been my, that's just been my magic, the gathering arena experience. So every time I see a foretell card, I picture I'm on the draw against a deck that is green or red or white and plays creatures on turns one and two. And I lose that game. And it's, it's kind of hard for me to accept that I would want to play that. So that's why I'm still looking for the Lucky Clover, or the Edgewall Innkeeper of Fertel. And if I don't get one, I, I still see this as like a three-mana card, even though I'm trying really hard to get excited about it for the, for the purpose of it is like one of the smuggest cards ever printed, <laughs> and it just goes with my theme so well. Oh, uh... oh man,
0: I want to like it. I mean, it is a very streamable card, I will give you that. Alright, here's several things about this card that don't immediately jump out. The first thing I love about this card is that at 4 mana or later, you can cast this for 1 blue. So, in those times, and and I know that you know that this happens, right? Where you're playing a 2-color or even a 3-color control deck, and you just happen to not get that second blue um so there might actually be times when like on turn four you are laying this away for two and then casting it the next turn on your opponent's turn with that remaining
1: blue matter so that's i I really want to make a joke that that goes back to the world tree about you just have to get good and draw the right lands but (laughs) but you're right this is a thing it happens (laughs) <laughs> happens to all all of us okay i've played
0: enough control decks to know that getting that double blue like because here's the problem right your deck wants the double blue on turn three and the double white on turn four and you get in that real rock and a hard place with it man where you're having to make those tough calls with your um with your maze mind tone so that's one cool thing about this here's another scenario in which i can see this card being quite good in a long control mirror I know you're used to this CGB where you're having to make suboptimal plays on some of your turns because you don't want to discard to hand size. So in a long control mirror, on five mana or whatever, whatever that turn is where you start kind of stacking up and waiting for your opponent to do things, you can just start laying away your counter spells, and then later when you have like that wild counter spell chain going on, all of yours cost two. So okay, maybe you'd just rather bring in Mystical Dispute instead of Saw it coming in that matchup. But I mean, how compelling do you find that? Because I could see this card being a real breaker in Control Mirrors.
1: Yeah, as as long as I'm drawing multiple cards a turn and hitting my land drops. Like if, if I'm missing a land drop and I'm dodging my discard step by foretelling, I'm probably going to end up losing because land drops are so important. But If we're using Behold the Multiverse, which is a card draw spell with Fortell, and we overdraw our hand, then yeah, saw it coming creating, uh, Fortell creating a sort of extra hand is not a joke. That's pretty important. And it alludes to one thing I will give this card that I think you were getting to, or at least you're on that track, where it dodges hand hate, which is one of the oldest tricks in the book of, I'm just going to wait Yep, I'm just going to wait till I have Duress and then my big spell to, to make sure it resolves, and this gets around it. Yeah, so I see this card being
0: frustratingly difficult to play around in a number of matchups, and um, I don't know. It, just, it could curve very nicely depending on the other things that your deck wants to be doing or depending on the certain inflection points in the format. I think this is definitely not a card to write off And I think that this could end up being this is my hot take. This is a hot take, but I but bear with me. I think this could be the mystical dispute of our new format moving forward. It's not gonna replace mystical dispute, but this could be like it could sit in that spot of a card that we thought was gonna be somewhat playable that ends up being
1: surprisingly playable in a lot of matchups. If that happens. You get to be there sitting there with that look on your face saying, I saw it coming. Saw it
0: coming.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And if not, everyone will forget this
0: episode and no one will ever speak of it again. And that's a good place for us to leave it for this one. Tune in later in the week to get more in the continuation of this series. Bye for now.